Welcome, all you creatures of the night and late night prowlers. This is the latest podcast episode in gore and guts, slasher screams and squeals, and all the things which conjure up your nightmare. To be afraid is accepted, but it won't save you from the dangers which leer right over your shoulder and breathe down your neck. When the lights are out and the night is still, the beating of your heart will give away your hiding place. It will find you, and it will not be forgiving. This is It Records. Welcome back, one and all, to the It Records podcast. Thank you for joining us once again. Over the internet highway, listening in, wherever you're listening to us, we appreciate it for this latest episode. I am one of your many hosts, Matt Johnson, and I'm joined with, always, we could pencil them in this week, Lindsay Clark and Peter Hansen. Guys, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. (laughs) Thanks for making the time. I appreciate it. But before we launch into what we watched this week, what we're going to discuss, I thought I would start some banter with you guys. What have you been watching, horror or otherwise? Welcome to the show. It's time to find out what the terrible trio have been watching. Or who has been watching them. What's on my radar is that new Jordan Peele, J.J. Abrams show that's on HBO. I believe it's called Lovecraft Country. Uh, I think it just had its first episode. Um, and I haven't watched it yet, but it looks really cool. I like both those people. Um, I haven't been really watching anything too horror-related that I can think of. I know that I am going to watch the number 23 soon, Ooh. and I, I'll tell you why. It's a really... So, like, during the pandemic, um, Corny and I started doing this, like, kind of, like, movie marathon game where we watched four movies by a specific actor, and then, like, on the fourth movie, we transitioned to a different actor that was in that movie. So, as an example, we started with Danny DeVito, so we started with Matilda, and then uh, we ended with Twins, so then we transitioned to Arnold. And That's beautiful. So on and so forth. It's like, now we just finished Cameron Diaz, and we're going to Jim Carrey. Did you watch The Mask? Is that the connection? Yes, of course. Of course. course. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, let me see if I can remember the actors. Because I feel like the actors, it gets really funny. It's Danny DeVito, Arnold, then Jamie Lee Curtis, then Lindsay Lohan. Nice. Um, What what movie are you confused Uh, about? That's Freaky Friday, probably, right? Is that what you want? Yes, it's Freaky Friday. I'm trying to connect the last movie you watched to get to the next (laughs) person. Um. Lindsay Lohan, and then we went to Justin Long. Um, Justin Long, we went to Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore went to Adam Sandler. Adam Sandler... Fuck. Winona Ryder. Then Winona Ryder, we went to Christina Ritchie. Then Christina Ritchie, we went to Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp... Where the fuck? Who we go after him? Oh, Bill Murray. Um... Right? Was it Bill Murray? No. 
Yes. Sorry. We watched Ed Wood, which is Bill Murray's in that. Mm. Bill Murray, Cameron Diaz, Cameron Diaz, Jim Carrey. I am really, really into this right now. Um, I really want to kind of guess might have to steal every that. last movie that you watched and see if I, like Kevin, I want to like see Six clothes. Degrees of Kevin Bacon, if I can do it. Do it. I want you to do it right now. So, I think I said Freaky Friday was Lindsay Lohan to Jamie Curtis, right? Yeah. And you said Lindsay Lohan to Justin Long? Yes. Is that? Herbie. Sorry. No, no, go for it. It yeah. is. Sorry. No, you, you're, you're right. Yeah. And then Justin Long to Drew Barrymore has got to be going the distance? Yes. And, but it's going to be hard from Barrymore to Sandler because there's so many. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wedding Singer? That's correct. Is it right? Ah. Uh, Yes. Nice. All right. <laughs> and then Adam Sandler to Winona Ryder. Yeah. Is that Punch Drunk Love? No. Why are they in together? It's a popular one. Uh. Think like early two thousands. Mm, this is Matt's thing. I'm gonna not yeah. talk. Do you know it? Do you? Uh, I don't think I'm, so. I'm drawing a blank on. What's your? I want to know what your guess is. I'm thinking Mr. Deeds. That's a hundred percent correct. Nice, yeah. I forgot oh, she was in okay. there. She's his the romantic interest. Yeah. Yeah. And Christina Ricci. You didn't guess Arnold to Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, is that True Lies? It is True Lies. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great movie. I fucking yeah. love that movie. And. Oh, Christine Ricci doesn't know a writer. That had to be like a 90s movie, right? Potentially early 2000s. I'm actually blanking on what we watched. <laughs> oh, I remember. Oh, it's a tough one. Yeah. It's a tough one. Good luck. Is it 90s? Um, it is <laughs> 1990. 1990. Oh, boy. I don't know if I'll know it. You want me to throw in... So there's two famous people that are in this movie besides them. Do you want to give you the super famous one or the secondary famous one? Give me the secondary one. Bob Hoskins. Bob Hoskins. Wait, is Bill Murray the other one because he went to Bill Murray? No. No, Bob Hoskins. Oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of, I'm not thinking thinking of the wrong person. Bob Hoskins. Okay, I need the other one then. Share. It's a hard one. It's a movie I've never heard of. Corny was like all about it because she loves Share. I think I should know this one. I what is don't. it? Mermaids. Oh, I wouldn't guess mermaids. Okay. Yeah. Mermaids. Uh, if you haven't watched it, it's pretty good. It's a good movie. Oh it's yeah. Uh, Christina Ricci was. Christina. Okay. Was that to Bill Murray? Or was there someone in between? Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Oh, it could be... Sleepy Hollow? Got it. Yeah. All right. All right. And then... Oh, Johnny Depp was Bill Murray. You told us it was Ed Wood, though. So we, we got that. Yeah. One. Yeah, th- th- it took me a second to remember. And then Bill Murray to Cameron Diaz. Think... TV show? Oh, Charlie's Angel. An old... Charlie's, yeah, that's right, yep. totally. Yeah. And then... You're on your current person, right? Jim Carrey? Yeah. What were the other ones? 
And you already said it. Oh, yeah. You already yep, said it. That's right. So we did it. <laughs> bow, bow, bow. You got we did it. it, everyone. <laughs> okay. Well, then, Lindsay, what have you been watching? Or have you finished 90210? <laughs> and moved on to Dawson's no. Creek uh, and not at all. watched it? <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal, but I'm nowhere close. Um, it seems like I tend to like get as far away as you possibly can from horror when we're not watching um, a movie for this podcast. So um, I've just returned to my roots, um, and I'm watching like season 17 of The Bachelor with Sean oh. Lowe. Wow, that's... That's a so, lot of seasons. Uh, yeah, and that was 2013. So, um, yeah, I'm just watching, like, whatever um, seasons they feel so kind to bless us with on Hulu. So that's what I've got. Um, so, yeah, um, enjoying that. But uh, that leaves us with you, Matt. What have you been watching? Well, that's a great segue because I'm not a big reality show watcher myself, but a co-worker... Uh, she binge watches a lot of them from The Bachelor to several others and I said you know just give me one and I'll try to I'll watch one I'll see what's going on there so she mentioned The Bachelor I think it's Lost in Paradise or something like that as like a variation of it but 90 Day Fiance yeah. on <laughs> yes I've seen some of those episodes we can talk about 90 yeah. Day Fiance that is in our other podcast that is but... a cringe 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 show <laughs> oh that no been... that's my style also yeah, my too hot to handle i believe was one that it, or love is blind was another one that i watched kind of love is blind yeah. yep yeah uh, <laughs> on netflix and another reality show that courtney is watching is she's rewatching survivor <laughs> oh, <laughs> from, that's from the beginning because that she never watched it from the beginning i think she jumped in like more like early middle I know there's like fucking like 30 no 40 seasons now which is insane yeah. I never watched yeah. it never watched Survivor before in my life until now <clears throat> I started the opposite of, of your of Courtney um, I was from episode one when I was little Borneo is the first one then it goes Australia yeah. and I think it's Africa yeah. I watched like the first probably like seven or eight seasons maybe more and then I kind of like fell off and I haven't watched them really in a while but I was pretty um, a big Survivor head for a while. And like those early ones, anybody who's looking to get in Survivor, like they really yeah, you had to just like, you had to really be you had to survive. <laughs> fucking especially like they gave you like rice. Yeah, and that was it. Africa, man, that was a fucking hard season. Yeah, that was tough. Lex, have you watched it? Is Lex somebody on that show? Yeah, yeah, he's. I don't like him at all. Paul, I didn't like him either, yeah. but he's still in here. He's still in the back of my head. <laughs> yeah, he he's he's got some crazy eyes. He looks like a crazy person. He gets mad because someone voted for him one time. They're like, "Oh, I had two votes." Obviously, oh, he's one, one of those. Vo- yeah, obviously one vote oh. was for the guy that got voted out. Uh, his name was Clarence, and then he had another vote. He's like, "Who voted for me? Who's the rat?" And he's like upset about it for the rest of the show. It's like, dude, you had one vote. Who fucking cares? But to round out for me, uh, I've also restarted watching Parks and Rec. Because I'm trying, classic. Good show. I'm trying to rewatch all those NBC shows. I just finished Community. Now Parks and Rec. You got Peacock and... or something? No, that one's on uh, uh, Netflix still. Mm. 
That was on Netflix. 30 Rock, though, I believe is on Peacock. I don't know if it's on Hulu. If not, I might have to get Peacock because I need to watch 30 Rock again. I haven't watched 30 Rock. Yeah, I was in the middle of rewatching 30 Rock before uh, it transitioned to Peacock because I was like slowly rewatching it again. (laughs) Yeah, it's been several years since I've watched it. I really liked 30 Rock when it was on. I just watched Romeo and Juliet, the DiCaprio version. Oh, God. Uh, Okay. What did you think? Oh, I've seen it before. Okay. Uh, I remember I, I, hating I it, it, but I also was yeah. like, I watched it at the worst time. I was like early teenager, and I was like, this movie's stupid romance. I want action. And I know it kind of had action, but I just thought it was stupid, because I think that was like when Leo was like not like the star he is now. No, it was like that movie and then Titanic. Right before, Where, yeah. Yeah. Just, that movie is weird. Like, it is, let's just be honest. It is real weird. It's Baz Luhrmann, and it was my first Baz Luhrmann who did like Great Gatsby with Leo, Moulin Rouge, and they're all filmed like Crazy. super fast paced, edited really quickly, and like a lot of zoom or pans, really quick pans, so be disorienting. Mm. It was not what I expected. Yeah. But you know. I watched it when I was, like, 14, so I'd be interested to see if I still thought the same thing now. I've never watched it again since then, because I felt like once was enough, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But, no, I'm kind of curious. Did you... So, what did you think upon a rewatch? Did you kind of hold the same opinion? I thought... I think I... My attention stayed with it more this time, now that I'm, like, older and rewatching it, and I kind of already knew going in what it was going to be like. I knew it was like Shakespearean language. I knew how it's edited. And so it was easier to follow. Um, Have we talked about this I before? I feel like we've brought this up before. The, Ro- the This movie. The Romeo and Juliet movie with Leo. <laughs> I feel like I've... We might have. I feel like I've expressed my hatred for this movie before. Because <laughs> I feel like it's bringing me flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> we might have. Yeah. But other than that, that's all I've watched, I think. I, I want to start watching some Cronenbergs, which would relate to the horror podcast, like Scanners and Videodrome, I think are on my list next. Too bad you're to not watch. close to me, because I could totally let you borrow Scanners, because I love that movie. Yeah. And The Brood, that's another one that you should watch. Brood, yeah. I think, I know, I think they're both on, Scanners, I think it's on Hulu, but I think they're on Shudder, too. Oh, I, I haven't checked Shudder in a while, so I don't know. I think they're on there. If anybody wants to check those out, any Cronenberg fans out there, and his son, small plug before we kind of go into the movie we did, his son's coming out with a horror movie. Really? So this is this is horror news for everybody. Yeah, David Cronenberg's son. It's a Canadian one. It's called. So it's Brandon Cronenberg. It's his son, and the movie, which will be coming out soon, is called The Possessor. Uh, Dark. I, the, Oh, no, it did get released, I believe. No, it did. I'm sorry. I, I apologize. It got released early this year. It's a science fiction horror film, uh, and I believe it's getting pretty good reviews. 93% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, I expected it to be bad, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've just heard really good things about it so far, and I, I'm i probably going to check it out just because I like David Cronenberg and see kind of how his son relates to his work. Yeah, it's kind of anyway. like how... I know it's like not really the same thing, but like how what's Ivan Reitman's son 
Smith's name is like a pretty good filmmaker too actually like right now yeah you know what i'm talking about is it is it jason yeah i think is it's jason? jason he like did thank you for smoking which is a great movie yeah and he's gonna do and the up in the air yeah up in the air another great movie and he's gonna do the new ghost pushes when the hell that's gonna come out yeah he did oh yeah because he did juno as well oh yeah i forgot he did juno it's another great movie and he, and i don't know if you guys have seen these but there's a movie called young adult and tully yeah i've seen young adult that's they, good Neither well yeah they they both star Charlize Theron, and Tully is like a spiritual sequel to a young adult. So if you like young adult, Tully is like, it's a different character, but it's still Charlize, and it's like it's a different stage in life. Um, so, yeah, he's pretty good. Anywho, so that's what we've been watching for this week. What does it all mean? Does my life have any purpose? At any rate, this movie surely does. It's time to discuss the horror significance. And I will give you sort of a preface into the movie we watched for this week on the podcast. If you can remember from our last episode, we had talked about we're going to watch three movies that each of us pick that kind of fall into the psychological horror, psychological thriller subgenre. And we wanted to pick those and kind of dissect them. What is a psychological thriller and how that movie kind of fits in the genre? How does it fall into horror or is it more of a thriller? And the movie we chose is very much in that subgenre. And I will give you a brief description of what psychological horror is in case you don't know or psychological thriller. Psychological horror is a work of psychological fiction with a particular focus on mental, emotional, or psychological states that are meant to frighten, disturb, or unsettle the audience. The subgenre frequently overlaps with the related subgenre of psychological thriller, and it often uses mystery elements and characters with unstable, unreliable, or disturbed psychological states to enhance the suspense, drama, action, and paranoia of the setting and plot. So that's your That's a hundred percent this movie <laughs> that's exactly what right? i was thinking yeah even more so than last week which we did silence of the lambs this week we did 2016's split directed by m night Shyamalan. Sir, I think you have the wrong car. What are we doing here? What the hell is going on? I was sent to get you for a reason. There's a flower on the pillows, a flower in the bathroom. Like, we're important. The only chance we have is if all three of us go crazy on this guy. Who is that? Maybe she can help us. We're here! Help us! We're here! Don't worry. He's not allowed to touch you. He knows what you're here for. He listens to me. My name's Hedwig. How old are you? Nine. I'm 
never seen a case like this before. 23 identities live in Kevin's body. Who are you? Help me get out of here, Hedwig. Are you trying to trick me? I'll tell on you. Aren't you the clever one? An individual with multiple personalities can change their body chemistry with their thoughts. Someone's coming for you. Who's coming? The beast. There's a man here. He abducted us and he's going to kill me. We're meant for something. Something horrible. The world will understand now. The beast is real. He's done awful things to people and he'll do awful things to you. This is our second Ed Night Shyamalan movie. Yes, I was trying to think if there was a third. We've only done The Visit. For sure We've only second. done The Visit because we haven't done The Village yet. Or Signs. Or Sixth Sense. That's right. I thought we did Signs because I actually just recently rewatched that. So that's something else I've been, I have watched. I rewatched Signs recently because I think of Split. I've rewatched Signs. I love Signs. <laughs> I'm just going to lay it out there. <laughs> Science was good on a, a, a rewatch as well, I will say, in 2020. I thought it held up pretty well. But for those of you who don't know, uh, Split is an M. Night Shyamalan film that he wrote, directed, and produced. That came out in 2016, falls into the psychological horror subgenre. And the, the main premise of it is three girls are kidnapped at the beginning of this film by a man, played by James McAvoy, who is diagnosed with 23 distinct personalities, and they must try to escape him before the apparent emergence of a frightful new 24th distinct personality. That's your, your basic setup and your premise to start this film. I won't give away any spoilers about the general overview of this film quite yet, but that is the basic synopsis for Split. And before we kind of go into, uh, I guess it's horror significance or the plot, if we want to do that, I believe this was Lindsay's pick this week, and yeah. I guess what drew you to it, um, or why you decided to choose Split, or had you seen it before? Any of those? Um, I, yeah, I mean, it was one of those, um, I was kind of having a hard time coming up with a movie that actually fit, you know, the category we were going for, so I thought, you know... Um, I definitely figured that Split checked all those boxes uh, that you kind of described um, a little bit earlier, but, um, you know, I hadn't seen it since it came out, so it's been about, um, like, three and a half years, so it was kind of like, okay, I've already seen it, but I also, like, haven't seen it in such a long time that it's going to be, like, you know, watching it with fresh eyes. Um, so that's really all it was, is that I had been familiar with it, um, I'd already seen it, but it'd been so long that I'm like, I think this is... Uh, more of what we're looking for, and I, I like M. Night Shyamalan, um, you know, I'm a really big fan of, um, The Visit and The Sixth Sense, um, so I just, let's just say this movie wasn't what I thought it was gonna be when I first went to go see it, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I still think, um, 
it tells a very, you know, disturbing, unsettling story. You mean how, spoiler, it's a sequel? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great, you know, place to start. <laughs> yeah, I think we can get into it. We can... It's four Definitely. years later. It's like four years later. People have had four years. And I think, yeah, I think we have a general rule around like four to five years. If you, Especially, it's not so much of a twist if there's a, another sequel following this. Right? Agree. Right. Yeah. It, the cat's out of the bag. It's part of People a, know. This is part of a trilogy. Um, of M. Night Shyamalan's. Which... A trilogy that was not marketed as a trilogy. I have some thoughts about his... I haven't seen Glass, so I can't say how it comes into fruition. But I... I like Unbreakable. I think Unbreakable's... It's another good movie by M. Night Shyamalan. It's kind of like one that doesn't get talked about as much. Um, But I feel like Split actually is hurt. Like, even though it's like... It's like barely post-credits... You like you see split. I oh, know I'm jumping way ahead. And I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you see split, then it's just like some bad dialogue. Honestly, you're like, oh yeah, who is that guy that uh, did some stuff like 15 years ago? Like, oh yeah, that guy was Glass, and it was like Bruce Willis, and like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I know some people were super jazzed about that, and that's fine, but I just like it felt so like ham-fisted in last minute and like I feel like it could have been if it was sprinkled out throughout which it kind of was which we'll get into but not not nearly as much as I would have liked and I think the movie is 10% less because of that little little thing at the end I think it could have worked and like again it wasn't marketed as a sequel at all and I wanted to see it because I wanted to see the, the new M. Night Shyamalan because the visit was pretty good to this yeah it rough. was because like he had a rough rough start for like all like a few years it was like post village I think it was like from village to the visit he had a rough go he had like the Avatar movie which was mm-hmm. bad fucking after earth i think was in there um what's that weird one with paul giamatti the lady in the the lady in the wall yeah yep yeah that one flopped right yeah that's at least three fucking movies right there i think there's another one in there too the happening that's another the happening oh god don't even get me started on that movie yeah so he had a rough go for a while but i went into this one and i think i had no conception that it was going to be a sequel and was enjoying it throughout the, like, watching it before Bruce Willis comes in and it's like, glass. Okay, so this is part of a, a trilogy now, but I think it was working on its own without having any connection to previous Shyamalan works. Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely a good standalone sequel. Yeah. But now, yeah, I wanted to get my little spiel out of there how... It annoyed me that they did it at the end. Yeah. Because well, it seemed like it was out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Well, like. Personally, it didn't really affect me too much because I haven't seen Unbreakable. 
So it was very confusing when I saw Bruce Willis at the end. I bet. And I was just like, what significance does this bring? Because I don't know. I would I would recommend Unbreakable 2. I think it's a very good movie. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think with that, we could kind of go into, like, they people kind of know the ending, at least. We can go through the plot for everybody um, for Split and why we had no idea really what was going on, that it was part of this sequel stealth sequel as they call it um yeah i think they're saying it's like one of the first stealth sequels that or whatever they're terming it you don't really know it's a sequel but the movie basically starts Details for Act 1 of this horrifying film. I hope you make it out alive until the very end. It's pretty quick, it's pretty fast, but like it gets to the point really quick where. It does. We have. It looks like a birthday party of some sort. It's three. Two girls and a dad, and then you can clearly see that there's one uh, girl there that. Is kind of not really seen as part of the group so much. She's kind of an outsider, but she was invited to the party, and that's the dialogue that's happening between the dad and the other two girls. So you kind of get from the start that she's a friend, but she's not really that close. But they like go to school together, and they go out to the car. They're gonna take this girl home. It's the end of the party, and the dad who when he's loading all the stuff into the car we get a pov shot of somebody approaching him and he's like can i help you you kind of in the rear view mirror see a, a small struggle to which then james mcavoy enters the car uh which is not her father he does not play the father just for clarification he's a new person we have not seen before and it's such a good scary scene yeah, it be, because the the two girls in the back who are the fr- the closer friends are just continuing talking, like and they don't notice that it's him who gets in the car, but it's our we will take as our protagonist the lead girl or the final girl uh, notices him and she's like pretty quiet, and like kind of freaked out, doesn't know how to react to it. It seems like, but James McAvoy quickly chloroforms them to some with like a spray or something. To knock them yeah, out. I looked up what that was. It's not chloroform. Couldn't tell you what it is at the top of my head right now, but it's some weird, like, anesthetic spray. Okay. Oh, that's great. Gotcha. Yeah. And he uses, he just kind of sprays it out of, like, a, I don't know what it, what even what it is, like a, almost looking like a perfume type bottle or a, and knocks them out. Yeah, it was like a, yeah, it's really weird. To which we get the opening credits split. And that might be, like, five minutes in the movie, I feel like. Like, it's really fast. Yeah. It comes up real fast. And we find the the girls are now in a basement somewhere, it looks like, where there's no windows, it's really dark, and it's just really a bed, and they have a bathroom in there. And they are in this basement. And this is the first time I, I made a note here. You get kind of a flashback for our main character, who, I apologize, I'm blanking on her name. Uh... Mm, the, the, yeah, the main, I'm not going to name this movie either. The, Casey, Casey? Th- is that the main? Okay, so <laughs> Casey, 
Yes, thank you. Is played by Anna Taylor Joy, who is actually in The Witch as well, another horror film. Oh. For anybody else who's seen that one, she we see a flashback, and it looks like with her dad and some other man, which we learn later is her uncle, um, and they're talking about deer hunting or going on the hunt, and it's like that we we kind of get this flashback, so clearly it's going to tell us something. As foreshadowing, whatever is happening here will lead her ultimately to getting out of where she is now, hopefully. And so we get that flashback, uh, which I made a note of. And we also then, uh, we meet Karen Fletcher, I believe her name is, which is, at this time we don't really know who that is, but it's received several emails in her inbox that say, we need to see you. And it's just flooding her inbox. We need to see you. And we don't really know what this is, but clearly something has gone wrong. And I would say the end to Act 1 is where James McAvoy, uh, he, he came into the room as the character, the personality that abducted the girls. He leaves the room. The girls hear a female voice out in the hall in a dress, and they're screaming for help. Hey, help us. He's got us locked in here. To which the, the person in the skirt opens the door, and it's James McAvoy. And he is using the same female voice they heard outside the door, which this is their first inclination that, okay, this person might have, uh, what is it, multiple personality syndrome, or it's what, the DID, what is it? DID? Dissociative identity? It's like dissociation, yeah. So I think that's kind of how Act 1 ends, is where they are now, we have the reveal that this is the same person and he has multiple personalities, distinct personalities. So they're going to have to try to figure out how to get out of this place now knowing that information in Act 2. And I, I was wondering, a question to you guys. I know that's supposed to be a big reveal in the movie, but did you guys see it as a big reveal when you watched it? Because I felt when the trailer came out, we kind of knew that this was going to be the the plot that McAvoy might have these multiple personalities that was like the only thing I knew yeah I think yeah I think I was I was pretty aware of it at the time but I think like honestly like really what sells it is is how fucking good James McAvoy is like I feel like he yeah we kind of talk about I feel like we've brought this up a few times how like some horror performances have been like really good like i feel like there's been like one a year almost like we're like we, we were saying like how good tony collette was in uh, what i can't even think of the right there yeah thank you mm-hmm. like even though i'm not crazy about that movie controversial opinion tony collette is fucking amazing in it and then you had um oh my god i cannot say her name but she's in us we've talked about her mm-hmm. uh was it lupita um, nuango Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, how she like was really good, and I feel like, I feel like, and James McAvoy was also part of that, like horror trend of just like, really great performances. I feel like that could have been Oscar worthy, but like none of them got nominated. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And this one came out at like a weird time, for the Oscars because they usually have them in February. And this came out like January 25th or something like that. So it's like a weird cutoff time. They probably even forgot about it by the next one. 
or other films had come out. And picking up from where you left off, like I feel like Are you still with us? Are you going to test your luck? Do you think you can make it to the end? We will see. For now, Pete will indulge us with some juicy act two details. They kind of like give you a little bit more flashbacks, and like you could see that like, um, I forgot. I you just said the main girl's name. I just totally forgot her name. Casey. Casey. Um. You see that she is like, obviously doesn't like mesh well with the other girls like and but she's like pretty smart like she's just like she knows how to handle herself pretty well she's like you know giving them advice like how to like you know like that one crazy i think is like you might have missed this scene because like i feel like it was like more in the beginning where like uh james mcavoy character grabs the black girl um and like and then she's like telling her to piss herself so she like it, like obviously so she wouldn't have anything bad happen to her like I feel like she's just like she's knowledgeable like how to protect herself more than the other girls because the other girls like it, I feel like it's kind of brought up a little later like how they're more privileged and that's kind of like a reoccurring thing that comes on later on in the movie uh, especially with James McAvoy and how he views people and you get them trying to, like, break out, like, through the roof. And then they, like, interact with, like, um, James McAvoy's character, who's, like, a younger boy. They try and, like, trick him. And, like, he's part of, like, the three, like, that has, like, the light on him the most around this time. Because, like, they're all kind of, like, working together, trying to keep, um, is it Kevin? Is, is like, the main... Like, I guess, like, the, like, before he created all these different personalities, I believe his, like, name is Kevin. Yeah. The... Yeah, that's right. The original personality who this person is. Yes, I guess. And then you just kind of, like, trying to think, like, what happens. Like, I feel like a lot happens, but, like, the last 30 minutes, like, usually in every movie... But it's just, like, a lot of... There's a lot of good, like, building blocks. Like, gearing up what's happening. Like, it's, like... He's changing a little more frequently. Um, they're very different. Like, the guy comes in that kidnapped him. He, like, want, he's, like, super tidy. He's telling him to clean, keep the area clean. And he separates them to, like, different hallways. Um... And then he, like, even does frequent visits to his, with his therapist because, like, he's, like, he's, like, don't, don't worry about it, you know? It's just, like, I had a little, a little scare, you know? I'm all good now, you know? I'm trying to smooth things over. He's, like, because, like, it seems like Kevin is, no, not even, no, not Kevin. It's, like, someone, another personality is waking up in the middle of the night and asking for help. I believe it's Barry. Um... And then the other ones, mainly the guy that kidnapped, uh, they're trying to, like, oh, no, like, everything's fine, you know, nothing's going on. 
and he's trying to fool the therapist, like the that he's Barry by like acting like a certain way, but he can't, you know, he, since he's like fiddling with stuff, like the therapist kind of picks up that it's not Barry and like how he intentionally like walked through the garbage, saying that was an act, and like that was M.I. Chamlon right there with the going with the footage. Yeah, he makes a little cameo. It's Hitchcocky and cameo, like he does in yeah. most of his movies. I'm trying to think what the, a big thing. Before, like, there's like one more big thing that happens before the therapist comes and visits McAvoy's character at his look because, like, his location is kind of unknown to us, like the whole time. Like, I even like forgot. Like, I've seen this movie before and I forgot where they were. And, like, you kind of see the outside of it, but it doesn't really show you where they are. So, like, you feel... I feel like it's actually a really good move on, like, Emmett Shemon's part. Because, like, it makes you feel way more anxious. Because, like, you don't even know where they are. Like, mm-hmm. like how how can I get help if I don't know where they are? I don't know. It, like, yeah. I feel like it worked well for me. Um, but I feel like there was one more building block before we got to that point, and I can't remember... What happens, um, I honestly, I mean, I know that, we know that the girls, the other girls don't come out. Um, what happens to them specifically? Do we find that out in Act 2, or? That, that's probably more on your part, I would say. I think oh, that's well, like, I don't know. Uh, I mean, so to tell you, he, he eats them. Um, right, so, yeah. how could I forget? Uh, so, to, to bridge that a little bit more, the 24th, uh, identity is revealed as the Beast, it's, like, this mythical, like, personality that all these guys kind of fear. And the three of the ones that are working together, they think the Beast will help them get through this world. And they're, like, they would punish all the people that are unworthy because they are not damaged like he is. And they're lesser people because of it. And that, and they just deserved to be eaten because they haven't suffered, I think, is... The, the gist. Okay, yeah, that ties things up nicely. I, with that. Um, I think there was one... I mean, you kind of mentioned it with the Beast. It's his 24th personality that allows him to like be this mythical type of thing. But also, I mean, he's human. Like, yeah. he's a human, and there's a part in Act 2, I think, where the Karen, the doctor, is like at a lecture, a virtual lecture... Oh, it's right. Where she's kind of basically explaining her research, specifically with Kevin, uh, James McAvoy, that he has all these distinct personalities, and she meets with people who also have DID, that she believes that, you know, they have the potential to maybe use all of the, the capabilities of the brain. Like, she met someone, I think, that one personality was blind, but the other personality could see. So, does the ability of the brain allow them to change their physical chemistry? Um, with these personalities, whereas people who don't have DID um, can't, and they don't have the, they haven't really untapped that potential. Um, so I think that that's an interesting aspect she has with her study that she gives to the audience, which makes when he says the beast is going to be this twenty fourth personality of like this mythical creature, makes it even more ominous that can he reach these levels of strength uh, that she thinks he can. But others would call, you know, ludicrous. Yeah, like how yeah. they they claimed that he could like 
scale. No, actually, they didn't even say that. I I believe she heard them say a story about the beast, like how he could climb walls, like how he's like basically like an expert rock climber or some shit like. That. It was like some like weird line that was, but it was like it was actually really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was very invested in um, you know, the study of that. I think Does that. that- for Aos into Act 3? Yeah, I believe so. You're still here. Very few have made it this far. It's time to meet the satisfying conclusion to the scary movie. Lindsay will provide all of the events in the final act. So, uh, she ends up at wherever we're at, the therapist, and, um, Subsequently, um, the beast is the one that kills her. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was sad. Um, and so let's see. So then it gets to the point where there's like another confrontation um, between the beast and Casey, who's like the only person left at this point. Um, so she finds that like seeing his full name, Kevin Mundelcrum. Um, that helps a little, but, like, not a lot. Um, for for a few moments, Kevin emerges. Um, he, you know, talks with her, and he seems to be pretty horrified by what he's done. He's kind of asking her questions, like, did I do that, you know? Um, and he actually asked Casey to shoot him with his own gun. Um, but, not to be outdone, um, he's quickly overtaken by, uh, Hedwig, which is, like, the nine or ten year old boy personality um and uh that's kind of an all 24 personnel or maybe not all 24 but like several personalities vie for control um at this point it becomes pretty evident to all of us that kevin's not coming back and um hedwig confers confers with uh dennis and patricia who are some of the other main personalities that we see um they all ultimately let the beast take over um, so then Casey gets a hold of the gun. She shoots the beast a couple times, but to little effect. Um, she manages to get behind kind of like this locked area, um, kind of like with prison bars, um, in front of it. I don't really know. But, uh, they prove to be no match for the beast because he can easily pull them apart. Um, but he stops when he notices, like, the scars on her body, um, because I get, you know, when he sees those, he's able to surmise that, you know, she is pure, more evolved than most, um, you know, which he refers to as broken, um, and decides to leave her alone, um, and, you know, and as the audience, we know, um, as this is told through flashbacks, um, along the way that Casey had been a victim of molestation by her uncle, um, and later guardian, John, when her father passed, um, you know, so she's been through some shit, um, and the beast picks up on that, and, uh, so with that, he kind of just retreats, we don't see where he goes, and, um, Casey's finally found, um, and then we all discover that she's been held captive at the Philadelphia Zoo, which is where Kevin, um, had previously worked, um, so while that's going on, she's getting rescued, Elsewhere, we see that the personalities are discussing their plan to take over the world, basically, via the beast. Um, so, scary conversation, but um, 
then, you know, we go to the diner where everyone in there is watching the news report, and the media starts calling um, Kevin, I guess, the horde because of all the personalities. Um, which brings us to, you know, our uh, show-stopping end with uh, the Bruce Willis cameo. Um, like I said, didn't make sense to me because I hadn't seen Unbreakable, still haven't to this day. Um, but I now know that this placement in the movie was supposed to be kind of monumental. Um, and so when the waitress comments that, you know, this criminal that's on the TV has a nickname and there was some sort of similarity because like 15 years before there was also one or a criminal that had a nickname, couldn't remember what it was. That's when Bruce Willis jumps in helpfully and he says, Mr. Glass. And, uh, that's split. How much yeah. money do you think he got paid to say those uh, two sen- two sentences? Twenty million dollars. Yes. Yeah, ungodly amount. <laughs> well, I heard that because this was a a Blumhouse production, correct? Yeah. It was just Blumhouse. Universal was not in on it. I believe that's correct. Well, usually with Shyamalan, he had like a deal with Disney. That's what it was. For a while, yes. uh, he had touched. He was like a touchstone pictures kind of guy. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Where this was produced by Blumhouse, distributed by Universal, but Disney is right. I believe Disney owned the rights to Unbreakable and that character and that that world. So I think he basically just asked permission. I think is all he did. Essentially, that this is what he wanted to do. If he could use that character at the end, he didn't have to like sign over any rights um, to get Glass or Bruce Willis. Did you guys stick around for the credits? I I didn't. Not beyond Bruce Willis. Yeah, is there is there more? Um, I don't remember there being more. Yeah, so I don't know about, like, the original, like, theater cut, because, you know, I never stick around for um, credits, but then I was watching it on uh, Amazon Prime Video, and um, there is, like, kind of a short um, scene where you see, like, we're talking with Unmite Shyamalan, and he um, includes a deleted scene um, that he kept trying to um, find a place for in the movie, and it just never seemed to fit. Um, but it, and they show us, it's like a 30 second thing, but, um, basically the beast, Kevin, you know, whoever is sitting on top of like, I don't know if it's a building or something, but it's really high up and he's looking down at all these like school age kids. Like, I think they're like loading a bus or something like that. And he pretty much says something to the effect of like, what a waste, like they're not like, you know, evolved or something like that. Um, and he's like, yeah, that was pretty dark, pretty creepy, and it just didn't really ever make sense. Um, so instead of that scene, mm-hmm. we got the one where he's looking in the mirror at the very end, having that conversation with uh, between the personalities. I think that definitely worked out better, because I actually really like that scene, where yeah. he's talking to his personalities. I feel like uh, Split is more of his more self-contained movies and for it to be like on top of a building it would feel too big especially with it being like in the zoo like 95 percent of the time it just it would feel it like i'm glad he cut it because it just would feel weird yeah i agree i think that was 
ultimately like the best call. And so now that we've discussed the, the, the plot and you kind of have a general idea of Split and you know that it's part of a larger story if you want to check out Unbreakable or Glass outside of Split, I thought this would be a good time to kind of gather our thoughts on does this fall more into psychological horror or do you say it's a thriller? Does it or is there enough to make a distinction? Because I know we're doing like psychological horror, but there's thriller and there's horror. I don't know if... I feel like this is more horror than Sounds of the Lambs. Like, it definitely, like, fits, like, the psychological thriller to, like, a T. But I just feel like the way that it presents itself and the way that it carries out, it feels more of a horror movie. Like, I feel like it hits all the, the marks more than what Sounds of the Lambs did for it being a horror movie. Who could forget the horror film textbook from class exactly. 2014? It still sits on my shelf with notes and scribbles <laughs> in it. But the, the opening part of this just kind of talks about the horror as a, like what a genre is and what the horror genre is. And one thing it talks about is multiple aspects of a genre become conventionalized, meaning there's reoccurring employed settings or tales, character types that populate many examples of the form or plots that have obligatory and common scenes that usually appear. Uh, Horror films revolve around a monster and its threat to individual characters. The stakes are high because the struggle, as suggested, is often not only mortal but a metaphysical one. The horror story turns fear, whether personal or social, into a specific type of monster and seeks to contain and destroy it. And I feel like with that kind of echoes what Pete said when I looked at uh, when I looked at Split, it has a lot of the settings. It's like in a dark basement cellar type place, which I associate with a lot of horror scenes I've seen uh, in the past. But also you have the monster, which is what we the audience see is Kevin, or really the beast. Not Kevin himself, but the beast specifically of the personalities, because not all of them are evil. Just really the beast, Patricia and Dennis. And I think it speaks to the individual level of Casey and her friends trying to escape both, hopefully, their life uh, to get out of there. Um, that's in danger. But I also think it takes on that kind of grander metaphysical horror that they're talking about, where he, he can become type character, maybe, or Freddy Krueger that you can't kill. Uh, we're seeing that in the we're seeing that happen that origin story, if you will, of a monster being created. So I, I would concur, Pete, that it, I think it falls a lot more into that horror than a thriller. Jimmy, who had some trivia on this movie? You made it. They finished discussing the plot of this terrifying movie. Onward to the fun bits of trivia and production for this film. You know I do. Alright. So. Can you guys picture Joaquin Phoenix as those 24 personalities? Because before Joker, not really. But after Joker, I now know his capabilities. Um, And I guess that was the original plan, was for Joaquin Phoenix to be Kevin. But um, when... 
Phoenix and production couldn't agree contractually. We got James McAvoy instead, um, who totally kills it. That's an interesting choice, because I, I haven't seen Joker, but I like Joaquin Phoenix a lot. I think he's a really good actor, and I know he's worked with Emmett Shemlin before. At least... Yeah. Uh, Several times. A couple times. The Village and Signs. I believe he's in another one, too. I think so. I think he's in okay. an earlier one, maybe. I, I, I looked that up after watching this, but continue. I'll, I'll check that stat. But yeah, and um, I think that would have been... I just feel really weird, because like, seeing Joaquin Phoenix in a horror movie now would, just, would be very... I mean, I guess even seeing James McAvoy in a horror movie was pretty unconventional. Like, I'm, I'm, I was, like, really good casting choice either way. Because, like, I feel like yeah. Emma Shemlon actually can be really good at casting. Especially his main roles. Yeah. I agree. I think he also would have done a good job, but it is kind of hard to picture anyone else in the role um, at the same time. I agree. Would you dig up? Oh, no, I, I looked it up, and it's only those two movies. But I feel like oh. those are around the same time period. And when I thought of Joaquin Phoenix early in his career, I think of M. Night Shyamalan movies. Like, he, yeah. he was in kind of those, or I, I can picture him in M. Night Shyamalan. So when I heard that piece of information that he was up for the role, I found that interesting because he hadn't been in one in a while. And I do think the movie would have been, would have had a darker tone to it. I think McAvoy provides some humor with, like, especially with, like, Hedwig, which is the nine-year-old boy, um, to some of the characters or some of the, the moments. And I think it would have been a, a, just a darker horror movie if Joaquin would have done it. Maybe that's biased because I've seen Joker and what he can do if he plays, like, a kind of unstable person. No, I, th- I could definitely agree with that. I feel like... McAvoy how he just hasn't had any haunted performances before this really like he paid he played what the last king of Scotland he just like was like a really like kid who was had a lot like was well off basically like wasn't that it? he like wasn't like in the Peace Corps or some shit yeah and he like went to I don't know it's been a while since I've seen the last king of Scotland like but I could have sworn he was kind of like yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like I feel like the kid, he was just like a spelled kid in that one. Um, he's great as Professor Charles Xavier in a couple of the X Men movies, um, but he hasn't really like done. Like he's a great actor, but I feel like he hasn't had enough time in the business as Joaquin Phoenix to kind of like perfect his craft. So I feel like I'm actually glad this went to James McAvoy, so he could build his like rap sheet even further so he could like kind of like diversify more where like Joaquin Phoenix like he could already do whatever the fuck he wants as he's seen like like I feel like no one else like would have been able really to do the Joker and like I haven't even seen it but like people gave shit over Jared Leto's performance and like you had to really nail it out of the park with the next casting. And then I was like, okay, Joaquin Phoenix, like, good actor. Like, that's like, that was my reaction. Yeah. And two points to that, like, 
a Joaquin Phoenix movie might not be good. You might not like it, but like every role I've seen him in, I'm always like, yeah, he he killed it. Like he did a good job at that role, even though the movie was kind of bad. I haven't seen a role where he was like, <laughs> he he phoned it in. He phoned in that role. I actually can't even think yeah. of a movie he's bad in. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like I've or like a bad movie. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Because Gladiator's great. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I'm, there, there's got to be that's some. a good movie. There's got to be one out there that was like a, I'm sure. a stinker. Bad Joaquin Phoenix movies. <laughs> there has to be one. Because I actually like The Village, which people could say The Village, but I like The Village. Yeah, I thought uh, that was decent. And I like Signs. Um, her, I said, is good. Even though probably people wouldn't agree with that. <laughs> My personal favorite of his is Walk the Line. Oh, yeah. He is really good in that, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, but... That's so good. Welcome to our podcast. Uh, Phoenix <laughs> is awesome. Joaquin Phoenix is a great we actor. Love, we love Joaquin Phoenix. We'll even talk about his brother River Phoenix every now and again. Oh, <laughs> River Phoenix is like, oh, that was like my childhood crush. Except I didn't know that like... He, he died. died you know. <laughs> yeah. I saw him in Stand By Me when I was 13, which like to this day is my favorite movie. And I was like, who's that? And then, mm-hmm. you know, I like looked him up and I was like... Oh, that's sad. Yeah. But yeah, great movie as well. Oh, great actor as that well. That is a great movie. Yeah. And Pete, uh, before we move on to any more trivia, if we have some, you said uh, you might not have seen Joaquin in another horror movie or something like that. You should check out You Were Never Really Here. I've seen that. Okay, never mind then. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, okay. okay. It is, that is, that is a dark, dark movie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just wanted to throw that one out there, but. You've seen it. Anybody yeah. else listening, you can check that one out. But All right. Do you have any other trivia for us, Lindsay? Yes. Okay, so um, I got this from imdb.com, so trying to um, sum it up a little bit. But um, real-life inspiration for this movie um, was multiple personality uh, Billy Milligan. Um, born in February 1955, um, died December 2014. Um, so he actually, uh, was charged with three rapes. Um, so that's really, you know, bad, but, um, he was the first person who was diagnosed with multiple personality disorder. Um, and he also used that as like kind of the insanity defense by reason of that disorder. Mm. Um, which also, like, resulted in him being the first to be acquitted as a result. Um, so, that being said, he had 24 personalities, um, and I'm just going to list this off as it's listed on imdb.com, um, because there's a lot. So we have 10 Desirables, Billy Milligan, Arthur, Reagan, uh, Vadaskavinich, Alan, Tommy, Danny, David, Christine, Christopher, and Adelina. And then we have 13 undesirables, so uh, we're outnumbered. Phil, Kevin, Walter, April, Samuel, Mark, Steve, Lee, Jason, Bobby, Sean, Martin, and Timothy. And last but not least, the teacher, which was kind of a combination of all the other personalities. Wow. Isn't no, that I wild? I had no idea. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's nuts. I kind of thought Mike Shyamalan came up with all of that on his own, but that's not the case. Mm. So, uh, last factoid, um, 
M. Knight originally wrote the Kevin character for Unbreakable, which, you know, came out um, 16 years prior to Split. Um, but when that didn't work out, he just decided that he was going to use him 16 years later in what we now know as Split. Um, so yeah, it's pretty crazy how long things can take to come full circle, but we made it. Yeah. Does anybody have any additional notes, comments, before we kind of roll into Defend or Destroy? Any creepy headlines? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Well, I, I will let you know when there's one. It'll be when you least expect it. It'll be in the middle of an episode, like the Theater of Blood one, where it was like 25 minutes in, you're like, oh, I got a creepy headline. <laughs> I like how that baffled you. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting Usually you do it like at the beginning, I feel like. It like started an episode. So when you brought it up later on, I was completely taken aback. I think I like I, I forgot I think I forgot about it and then I like remembered I'm like oh yeah I have one of those. <laughs> oh well, if we don't have any more comments we can kind of roll into Defender Destroy, starting with our chooser of said film. We've reached the conclusion of the podcast. Congratulations on making it all the way. Have one final challenge. The terrible trio will decide whether this movie passes the test. Choose wisely. Defend or destroy. That's me. So, um, like I said, I didn't really know what I thought it was going to be going in, but it was not what I thought it was going to be. Um, so I remember thinking that initially, and then again, you know, rewatching it now, I would say it seems different to me than all the other M. Night Shyamalan movies that I've seen. Um, but, uh, you know, I think with it being psychological horror, it really is quite unsettling. You know, you feel, like, uncomfortable, you know, as you watch all these personalities kind of, like, you know... I don't know about you guys, I kind of talk to myself sometimes, I'll be like, hey, Lindsay, you shouldn't do that, and then I'll be like, you're right, Lindsay, you know, um, but, you know, that's kind of the extent of it, I don't, you know, there's not, like, 22 other personalities, or 23, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, like, um, so, I mean, that being said, um, I liked it, I really liked, you know, the final girl, the heroine, taking control, fighting back, um, you know, doing what she had to do to self-preservation, um, trying to do what made the most sense, you know, to her in such a dire situation. She'd already been through some pretty heavy stuff in her life. Um, you know, it's good to see her, um, bring herself out of that, get rescued. Um, you know, now that she comes out unscathed, of course, um, and I mean, I really don't think they're, you know, like I said, I think Joaquin Phoenix would have done a really great job, but there's no match for, um, James McAvoy's performance in this. That is some creepy-ish and I feel so sorry for absolutely everyone the characters come in contact with. Um, so I would defend it, uh, which means I should probably watch the others in this loose trilogy um, at some point. Yeah, I still haven't seen Glass. Um, yeah, I haven't seen yeah, Glass either. apparently came out last year. Yeah, I still haven't gone to see that one. Uh, I don't think it did too well, but I still want to see it because I've seen Unbreakable now and Split. 
and a half to finish it. I think it did yeah. well. I think Glass did well financially. Yes. But not so well with the critics as Split did. Yeah, I think it didn't get as well reviewed, but it made back its budget. Because I think Split Split took a lot of people by surprise. I mean, they didn't know it was yeah, a sequel. Yeah, that was a sleeper hit, yeah, for and sure. And they really liked it, so. Oh, yeah. Glass definitely was very profitable. Yeah. I bet he got more of a oh, budget, good. too, for glass because split was so successful and they put i guess yeah even glass's budget was 20 million That's still pretty well they make like 200 something 247 yeah, yeah it's pretty good, good. Yeah. all right pete do you want to take it next or you want to throw it to me uh yeah i uh definitely defend this movie um i I've seen it before. Definitely liked it probably just as much as I did the first time. Um, the only complaint I really have with it is that it's not as... It probably seems a little more dated now with how it acts with like people who have DID. Like, it's a little... It's weird because, like, they're... I feel like this way they handle it is just very strange. Um... I guess, like, acting if they're more... If they have unlocked more parts of their brain is kind of interesting. But there's other aspects of it that just feels more old-fashioned. Like, it's like... Because we know he did the research. Because, like, he... Like you said, Lindsay, he, like, ba- kind of based it off the person who was first diagnosed with it. And, like, was even arrested for committing a couple crimes from... Um, other personalities um, which goes very well with what's going on in the movie um, yeah there's just something that's a little off I think maybe we just like maybe we just know a little bit more about DID because like it I don't know if it's like it, it seems like no one really believes it's like real like you know what I mean yeah. like it's like mm-hmm. it's very strange <laughs> But, like, and then, like, obviously, like, you have people that are upset because, like, he's a bad guy and, like, you know, you know, you don't want to vilify something. But that, that happens with movies a lot, unfortunately. But I thought, at least when I first saw it, that it was, like, really good at the time. And then now it's like, oh, maybe, maybe some of those complaints were right. But, like, I still really like it because it's, like, I don't think it really vilifies it as bad as I thought it would. And that's about it. Still really like it, though. I'll jump in there, then. And I'll start with... I defend it. So I defend Split. But to Pete's point, that was kind of my my hang-up with it, is, you know, how I would address people with DID. And I think all the elements are there. If I can have one critique... Because he has a psychiatrist, and you could get their perspective of, like, meeting with Barry and Dennis. And she's diagnosing or trying to understand all of them. But we know, as the audience, and uh, what's her name? The psychiatrist character, that Kevin is the original person. That, 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 and he had some trauma in his past. And that's really what connects him and Casey. Casey had a trauma in her past. She was abused, and that's why she was seen as, what, unpure like him? like the beast 
uh, because Ke- yeah. Kevin was abused in his past. We don't really know why, but that's why DID he began to have all these different distinct personalities as a way of coping with that trauma in his past to protect Kevin. And I think if they would have di- dived deeper into that and given us more of Kevin, we get we see him for like a minute at the end, and then he's gone. And I think if he would have had an arc, which they almost did, because I, I tried to walk, watch it through the lens that like Kevin's the protagonist, not Casey. And if we could, but it doesn't really go anywhere. I think if it, if they really would have made an arc for Kevin, that he could have helped in the end even more so. He just said, you know, kill me, shoot me. But if he could have lent in more information, or you could have really felt for Kevin more, he's not really in the light ever. It, it might have been yeah. uh, better. Might not have seemed as received as you know, bad reception in, in that community. Kevin doesn't really get to see the light or we don't learn about his trauma that much. And that's really why we have Split is because that happened to him. Well, what happened to Kevin? We need to talk about Kevin, if you will. <laughs> Those are great points, you guys. Uh, yeah, I definitely, I'm on, I'm on board, Matt, with that. Mm-hmm. But uh, I defend it. I thought, you know, not knowing that it was part of a trilogy, going into new M. Night Shyamalan, it, it hooked me. It got me riveted the whole time. McAvoy was really great. I thought, um, I didn't know what to expect. I just went into the theater um, on like a Sunday afternoon, I think. I was pleasantly surprised by Split. I really enjoyed I thought M. Night Shyamalan did a good job of filming the the girls in, in the cells at the time that basically showed... Casey as an outsider the whole time you could pick it up but like she was on her own side of the bed she had her own bed and the girls were on their other there was one light over Casey and not the other girls and even when you showed them it wasn't them ever in the same frame it was and if it was they did like a rack pull that was like one was in focus and then the girls were in focus and I think those is a good job of kind of showing their distance without having to tell the audience that that they're not really friends is to use the camera for that that's brilliant and he did a pretty good job of that as a filmmaker as so much as a writer that he did as well so I'll defend it uh, if you want to watch Split you can check it out on Amazon I believe uh, among other places but Amazon I know is up for rent probably Google Play anywhere you can like <laughs> rent rent a movie iTunes but I don't think it's on Netflix or Hulu any of those streaming ones no right now. yeah I, I had to rent it I thought it was that's why I picked it because I thought it was on Netflix. So that was just. It might have been. It might have been taken off at this point. Mm. They're always switching them out. But that's a unanimous defend for Split. I think, and, and that's the second psychological horror slash thriller that we've done. We'll have another one coming in the next episode. But so far, I believe we have defended both of the movies we've done. Unanimous defends. And we both labeled them as psychological horror. So we'll see if the next one is as well liked or if it is a thriller or a horror movie. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, and that'll round it out. But until then, until you hear this next episode, let us know what you're thinking. Get us on the, our website, Twitter, Facebook. We love to hear from you there. Or if there's any full length episodes, little sub-episodes you'd like us to do, mini-episodes like the ones we're doing now. Or if there's any blogs you'd like us to write, those are up on the website all the time, coming out with fresh content. And subscribe to us on iTunes or SoundCloud, wherever you listen to us. We appreciate it. But until next time, I will remain uh, down underneath the zoo in the shadows.
Uh, yeah, I got nothing. I, I didn't <laughs> expect it, and I had something, and I forgot it. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>